from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. A win is a win and should be celebrated. As long as we can do it with some line between Homer and Hater that's realistic about what future expectations should be. And I feel like those expectations have been lost when it comes to a team like the Lakers. We are deep in the thick of the NBA playoffs, and it starts with the play-in on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you and excited. I think, is this the first time we've had Kesty on this show? I'm just asking you that live on air. Mark Kestisher, ESPN play-by-play announcer, somebody that uh, I've had the honor of talking to a bunch uh, during the Spain and Fitz uh, time, and uh, happy that we get to fi- finally bring him into the Fitz and Harry world. Kesty will be calling the night, the tonight's matchup on ESPN Radio between the Bulls and the Raptors. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Kesty, always appreciate your time, man. Always love your work. You know that. I want to start with the Lakers before we get to the Bulls game. When you see what you saw last night, and a Lakers team that has struggled, frankly, to beat some bad teams, how am I supposed to compartmentalize that when I look at them moving forward against a Memphis team? Yeah, that's a good point. Good to be on with you guys. I feel like I've been on the show because I've always got you in my car driving around. So I'm like talking to you, but you don't really hear me. (laughs) So uh, this is kind of the first time we'll actually get to respond. That, you know, as ugly as it ended, um, it's a win. Uh, If you look at the line score, 108-102 overtime, you're like, all right, thriller. Maybe it wasn't if you watched it. But to pull out that win, to me, um, I I know Memphis has played – better than I anticipated once Ja came back because I you know I still kind of feel you know without the two bigs without Clark who's lost for the season and Steven Adams who probably isn't coming back they feel compromised but they've played so well that you know maybe it's not uh, as easy a series as it could be but I think you know staying away from Denver which is the top half of the west bracket which has Phoenix and the Clippers in it you know that's not to take anything away from Sacramento it's not to take anything away from the defending champs, Golden State, and certainly Memphis, the team they're playing, but it feels like the better part of the bracket, the lower part of the Western bracket for the Lakers to pull out that win and also the rest they'll have. But I've been asked that question up here in Canada and some other affiliates across the U.S. as well is, you know, are, can they make a deep run? And I, like five times this year, since the All-Star break, I jumped off the Lakers bandwagon. I jumped off for good when LeBron went down with the injury. So uh, they played way better than I could have anticipated down the stretch. And here they are, you know, amongst all the odds, already locked into the seventh seed with a few days off before they head to Memphis. And Mark, I'm really concerned about the Los Angeles Lakers because when I look at this basketball team, LeBron James is literally the only person that can create his own shot and get his own shot when he wants it. When you're facing the Memphis Grizzlies basketball team, and I understand they're they're down, you know, two guys that can anchor in the middle when Brandon Clark and also um, the big boy, I can't think of his name right and now. And Steven Adams, Steven too. Steven yeah. Adams, there we go. But Memphis is a top 11 defensive team. Does that concern you that you don't have anyone outside of LeBron that can create their own shot? It does. It, you know, Memphis plays really good defense. You know, Dylan Brooks is an agitator, obviously, who's still there. Um, and is I love the pieces that they brought in. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell's going to have to play way better, and he's capable of it. Um, 
You know, and Austin Reeves, you know, we don't have the huge sample size, and he's not a name folks are familiar with, but, you know, he's played so well for them. He's going to have to create something. But it's a great point, Harry. It's, um, you know, LeBron James at, at this age, at age 38, is still the main dude. Um, and then they're going to need Anthony Davis to play out of his mind like he did for the last few weeks. It, it's it's the same reason where you could sit here and say, you know what, if things break well, um, you know, they can make a run. And it's also the same reason that, you know, you can come back from 10 down and, and almost lose a game and put yourself in another, uh, put yourself in an actual uh, loser go home situation had they not pulled it out. We're talking to Mark Kestershire. Colin, tonight's matchup between the Bulls and Raptors on ESPN Radio coverage starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern for that one. And Kesty, you just mentioned you're in Canada. This game is in Canada. It's always a wild vibe anyway around the Raptors. I know uh, Toronto just had their season opener in Major League Baseball too. So, like, what's the vibe and energy in the city around for a play-in game right now? Huge. I, now, first of all, I'll preface it with this. I just walked outside about a half hour ago. It's 75 degrees on what, what's today, April 12th. I mean, shouldn't it be snowing up here? Yeah. It's 75. Well, they told me it's 20 degrees, but I haven't done the conversion. It's 75 hour degrees. The roof is open at Rogers Center. Uh, someone told me they're just testing the roof like it's normal test this time of year to see if it opens and closes. But they could leave that sucker open for tonight's game. And then um, uh, Jurassic Park, which has become a staple in the playoffs for the Raptors, that's going to be open tonight. There, there is definitely a sense of excitement in a season that has been so frustrating for the Raptors. And the Bulls, it could be said the same. I mean, you've got, you've got name brand players, expectations that were not met for either side. And when they play their game, which hasn't been enough, you know, they're good enough to compete. I think look, the last team the Miami Heat want to see are the Toronto Raptors. The last team that, um, you know, anyone wants to see. They've got so much length and physicality. I know they have not shot the ball well this year. And so, you know, great defensive teams, both sides. Offense has been an issue. DeMar DeRozan is back in town. One of the most loved, if not the most loved Raptor of all time, comes back in a Chicago uniform. So there's definitely a buzz up here. Well, Mark, one place it wasn't hot was in the arena yesterday when the Miami Heat, who was the Miami Cold, took on the Atlanta Hawks, and the <laughs> Hawks got that victory. How big of a win was that for the Atlanta Hawks to go ahead and get that monkey off their back, their first win down there in Miami since 2021? That That's huge for them because th- was there anybody that you talked to or texted with who wasn't a Hawks fan or part of the Hawks organization who thought they were going to win last night? I mean, See, thank it you, felt Mark. like we thank all just – Thank you. That's yeah, why I acted a fool that. this morning. That's why I acted a fool this morning. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up for me. Yes. I mean, everybody put it in pen, Miami in big letters. And all year long, I, you know, everyone has asked me, um, you know, what's the deal with the heat? And you, you look at the names, you see the past performance, and you're like, at some point it's going to happen. And I, I got to Toronto at rush hour. If anyone's ever been up here, I'm trying to navigate from the airport to downtown in rush hour with a Blue Jays home opener. It took me more than an hour. By the time I got to the hotel and TNT is not even on in Canada in this hotel room that I'm in, um, I turn on my ESPN app and they're down 20. Miami's down 20 in the first half. And I just slump my shoulders and say, I, I just can't figure them out. But you got to give credit to Atlanta, like you said. Um that's a big win for them. They get the rest that comes with it. They got a humongous task against Boston in the next round. And both Chicago and Toronto had winning records against Miami this year. 
Toronto's a tough matchup, as we pointed out earlier. Chicago went 3-0 and against Miami, and two of those were in South Florida. So uh, they don't want to see either team coming down there. I haven't been able to figure out the heat, but, yeah, huge win for the Hawks. All right, Cassie, the other thing that's amazing, this time of year, I can't believe the workload you all take. Uh, you're calling game one of the Knicks and Cavs on Saturday. Coverage begins 5.30 p.m. Eastern on that. I know you really, like, you're stuck at the Bills-Raptors game in every good way. When I say Knicks-Cavs, what's the thing that really stands out to you in that series that you're looking forward to the most? Um, I think it's, well, first of all, Julius Randle. How healthy is he going to be? Um, Donovan Mitchell, probably the bigger storyline could have went to the Knicks if the Knicks were willing to make that trade and they weren't. And he goes to Cleveland. So to me, that feels like, you know, an easy storyline for us to grab onto, especially, you know, Donovan Mitchell being a New York native, but overall from a basketball standpoint, you know, it's the resurgence of the Knicks. And if Randall is hopefully, I don't know if he'll be close to hundred percent for it, but somewhere in that area and Brunson, what he has delivered to the Knicks this year and some of the young guys who have stepped up against a Cleveland team that was in this play-in position last year. And I remember we were in Cleveland. We, we called the Hawks win over the Cavaliers and the disappointment in Cleveland because they're so excited about this young team in the post-LeBron era. And now they add a guy, guy like Donovan Mitchell. And it's a, it's a great 4-5 matchup. Uh, we're going to do a couple of those games. We got game one on Saturday. I think we're doing game three the following Friday at Madison Square Garden. So I'm looking forward to that. But I think the easy first thing you think of is Donovan Mitchell. What could have been and what might he do against the team that didn't get him? I know you are slammed on a day like today with a ton of work. We appreciate the time. And uh, I tell you this all the time, but man, nobody does it better when it comes to capturing the essence of the game as it's going on than you do, buddy. Thanks for so much for hanging out with us. You are too kind, and I'll keep talking to my radio while I'm uh, bumping around listening to you guys. <laughs> we'll get your private hotline. You can just call in like Darlington did and tell us our takes are bad. Thanks, Cassie. Appreciate you. <laughs> you got to Talk to you soon, guys. That's Mark Kesterser, ESPN play-by-play announcer. Don't forget to check out the game tonight. And uh, I, I mean every word I just said. I think absolutely uh, just one of the best when it comes to just capturing the game. You want to check it out on ESPN radio. Don't forget to protect your high-mileage vehicle with new Syntec High Mileage Synthetic Motor Oil at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Formulated to reduce friction and wear to keep engines running better for longer. Try Syntec High Mileage today exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. I just had to sing the jingle Auto Parts. I just felt like thank you very much. See, somebody got my back. Uh, We changed gears to the NFL and one team went all in for a franchise quarterback. So will it pay off this season? We'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. As we storm toward the NFL draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. It's time to look at every team's ceiling. Like the ceiling can hold us. And every team's floor. This is Ceiling and Floor. The ceiling is the roof. On Fitz and Harry. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by who? Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You know the drill. This is very simple. 
We're going to take a team from the NFC, a team from the AFC, and we're going to tell you for each of those respective teams what their floor is, how bad could it go, and what the ceiling is, how delightful could it be. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right, Devin, you got a team for us. Who are you giving us first? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, okay, so we need the ceiling and the floor for Cleveland. Harry Douglas, I give you the floor, good sir. Ah, yes. For the ceiling, I'm going to go a wild card game. I don't believe they can win the division, especially with the Cincinnati Bengals. And if the you know, Baltimore Ravens can keep Lamar Jackson, then it will be between those two teams who actually wins that division. So the Cleveland Browns, for me, the ceiling is a wild card. But I think a lot of this thing is going to be predicated on Deshaun Watson and how he plays in his second year with the team. Uh, things started late for him last year because of the suspension, had a lot of rust. Is he going to be able to get back to the Deshaun Watson that we've seen before, you know, he was without football once again in the National Football League? So I'm, I'm going to go wild card, but the floor, the floor, I'll go seven wins. Okay. Here's the thing for me, and man, like I caution here because Browns fans are as bad as the rest of them when you say anything slightly negative about their team. Uh, I was, um, I don't want to say disappointed. I, I've, I've, I expected more from Deshaun Watson, rust or no rust. I expected more from Deshaun Watson. And I'm not sure how playing for a few weeks and then getting a whole offseason is suddenly going to change some of that. I am in a, a slight moment here just like I was with Russ earlier. I got to be fair here. Russell Wilson had a terrible year, and now I'm like, all right, prove it to me. I don't know that I believed Sean Watson could just wake up tomorrow and be back to the form of the quarterback he was. That being said, when they acquired Deshaun Watson, if we're just talking about the football player, I think he's the top five when he's at his best. He's the top five quarterback in the NFL. There's no question. I just don't know if he can get back to that version. I I feel like the Browns are one of those things where if you ever watch cooking shows, I watch cooking shows all the time, and then you'll hear Gordon Ramsay come in at the end and say, man, to the chef, he'll say, you got to edit. You've got all these great ingredients, but you put them together and it didn't make a great dish. That's the Browns constantly, left and right, every single year. I do not believe, because I can't sit here and say the ceiling is the wild card for this many teams, I don't believe that they are on the same plane as a team like where the Steelers will be or as a team like where I think the Dolphins are or as a team like where I think the Jets are or the Chargers. I look at this, the AFC, I see too many teams that are better. So to me, the ceiling for, uh, for the Browns is maybe nine wins. And on the outside looking in of the playoffs, I do not think they're a playoff team. The floor Ooh. is all of this implodes. Deshaun doesn't turn out to have any of the magic he used to have. Life got in the way of his career and all of the other things that we've talked about a lot uh, impact him in ways that he could never get back to who he was as a quarterback. Kevin Stefanski loses the rails. They go into self-defense mode quickly as a team and they win six games. Like I, I, I could see this season going wildly off the rails for the Browns and Kevin Stefanski is fired by midseason because people had high expectations. I'll tell you, one of the things I do love is their secondary. You talk about Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit. They signed Warren Thornhill in free agency mm-hmm. and then Greg Newsom the second. I'm, I'm also concerned about their pass rush and not Miles Garrett because he's phenomenal, had 16 sacks a season ago. But who is going to be that secondary guy? Like from the defensive end position, from the D tackle position, that's going to be able to assist Miles Garrett and, and put pressure um, on the opposing quarterback. Also, I think the run game, when you have a, a guy in Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford is going to be paired up with him, a guy out of Cincinnati. You look at the offensive line, you have two solid tight ends. 
early on, I don't think you have to have Deshaun Watson do a ton. Just, you know, keep things afloat, get in rhythm. But if he could return, you know, to his old form, I don't have it doesn't have to be 100% the way he was, but it can't be what we seen last season. I think they could be decent. You know, that division is going to fight things out. We've seen, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals the last few years had trouble with the Cleveland Browns, uh, even with Joe Burrow at the yeah, quarterback position. So, yeah. you know, they're going to fight in that division. Uh, that's totally fair. Uh, I, I think I, you're right about the fight. I just, mm, I lack the belief right now in Deshaun. Let's go to the next team on the ceiling and the floor. The New York Giants. Oh, Ooh. I mean, Devin, New York Giants. Uh, do you, should, we, should Devin chime in first? Should we do one? Devin, yeah, yeah, Devin. Devin, Devin tell give, us give, what the ceiling is. Give us what you think. All right, so I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a realistic fan here. I think the Giants yeah. still have a lot of holes to fill. Obviously, Sa- Saquon Barkley didn't sign his franchise tender, which I think was to be expected. I think he's eventually going to play on the franchise tag. I think the ceiling for this team is the same what happened last year. I think they're going to be a wild card team, and I think they could win a wild card game. Beyond that, I'm not sure. I'm, I need to be convinced if they can go further than they did last year. The floor, I would say seven wins and they miss the playoffs. Daniel Jones isn't what everyone expected. He regresses a little bit. Um, the magic of Brian Dable doesn't work out. So I would say seven wins. I think their over-under total is eight and a half. So I think that's the floor for them, seven wins. Well, you know, selfishly, that would be great for me, especially because we have a bet on the line. But I'll mm-hmm. say for the ceiling for me, for the Giants – it's going to be a wild card, what we've seen them um, have last season. Because I do believe the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be able to fight out that division with the Eagles probably winning it, even though you haven't had a back-to-back winner. But when I look at the Giants, they could easily – they had a lot of close games last season. They could have easily lost. So I think the floor for them in my eyes would be seven wins as well. So I think the Giants are maybe the most difficult team in the NFC to figure out. Uh, genuinely, uh, when you look at the way they did in 2022, uh, they were eight, four, and one in uh, in one score games. Like that is a lot of one score games. When you've had 13, and that's a modern NFL, I get that. But man, I could see this going a, a couple of different ways. I could see Daniel Jones blowing up and suddenly having this Josh Allen like, oh my God, moment. Especially if the Giants grab somebody, uh, another playmaker uh, in the draft would be. I, I feel more comfortable with this. I could make the argument that. Uh, Dak is regressing and throws too many interceptions and the Eagles have lost too much. And I could even try and find a way that the Giants win the division. I could try and find that. I think that could be, but I think it's a very reasonable ceiling to say wild card and win a wild card game. I think that's a very reasonable ceiling. When I see a team with a bunch of one score games, the floor is bottoming out. The floor is Daniel Jones, turns out, was a one-year mediocrity wonder, and they don't have their quarterback, and they realize by midseason they don't have him. They don't want anything to do with him. Their quarterback ends up sitting on the bench while they just try out other people because they're tanking. I'm telling a very specific story of the Raiders because the Raiders two years ago were a playoff <laughs> team on one-score games, and then last year they were 6-11 and 11 football team. So I, I think the floor for the Giants is six wins. And, and that's wow. – that's, but that's that being said, I don't think they hit the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. think they're better than a six-win team. I just could see where if everything implodes, you're, you sit there and say, okay, well, now we know we don't have our quarterback. Now we know we want to get higher in the draft for Drake May or Caleb Williams if we can next year. Now we're in, we're in full, let's just, you know, suck for the next one uh, mode. You know what concerns me the most is not it's actually not the offense because I I do think Kafka and Brian Dable can scheme some things up like they did for for Daniel Jones last year. I'm worried about the secondary. The guy Dory Jackson is the number one. I yep. think they they me really too. need to address that position in in the draft, even if it's the first round pick or or throughout the draft. But like they, they have me, a problem there. Remind me where's your where's your first round pick? 
25. 25. So, so like you're going to have to move up to get one of the top two corners, yeah, right? Like, yeah. And we all think that Witherspoon and Gonzalez are going to go one and two in some order. Yeah. I, I, they're both gone by 15. Manuel Forbes is a, is a name. Deontay Banks is a yeah. name. Um, mm-hmm. But other than those four guys, it seems like kind of a drop-off after that. I think there's I, I love their, I love their front seven, though. Their front seven is, is, is solid to me. With uh, Dexter Lawrence, Little Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, Bobby, uh, Bobby O'Karake, who they brought in a free, yeah. free agency, and Aziz Ojolari, I really love their first I think, seven. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to take a massive leap in his second year, too. Like, I, I a massive leap for him. So, uh, look, I think there's a lot of reasons. Like I said, I'm actually not – I don't think they hit the floor. But the floor is everything bottoms out for me. All right. So, in the meantime, while we're having these NFL conversations, we just said the Browns could be in playoff or bust mode. They're not the only team in that situation. We'll break down several teams that could be in all or nothing. They're in playoff or total rebuild mode in this season. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Harry Douglas is HD to everyone. Uh, that's exactly how we know it. But what's HD to Harry? This is actually going to be interesting. Let's play. Is that HD to you? The concept is simple. We ask a question, and Harry decides if it's crystal clear, if it's HD, if it's high def, if it's absolute certainty that this is the truth. Let me give you an example on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. For example, if I were to say, Harry, am I a beacon of fitness right now that is absolutely borderline sensual, he would say, that's HD, right? Okay. No, no, I wouldn't. Sorry. I mean... Okay, I would. I'm just messing with you. You know what? You give me a few more months, I'm like, my abs are going to have abs. All right. So that's the way this thing works. Like, I'm sensual and HD figures out what's a high def. All right. So this is what we're going to do. It's coaches in the NFL who need to make the playoffs to keep their job. Again, coaches in the NFL who need to make the playoffs this season or else they're gone. All right, you ready for this, AC? Let's do this. All right, what's the first team we got, Devin? The Dallas Cowboys. Oh, is it HD to you that Mike McCarthy's got to be the playoffs or he's gone? Yes, this is definitely HD, but I think it's more to it. Mike McCarthy can't just make the playoffs. I think Mike McCarthy has to make a run in the playoffs. And I think NFC Championship game, and Mike McCarthy cannot be the reason why the Dallas Cowboys lose a game if they happen to lose in the playoffs. I think that's the big part of it. Like, uh, if they, if he yes, it's HD. If he misses the playoffs, he gone. I'm not even sure making the playoffs keeps him around. But if he misses the playoffs entirely, he gone. Devin, who's next? Oh, yeah. The Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, son of a biscuit. Really, we're doing this to me? Do you want to just line me up and kick me in? The Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Is it HD to you that Josh McDaniels will be fired if the Vegas Raiders don't make the playoffs? No, I don't. I don't think this is HD to me. Not not next year. If we're talking about the following year, then yes, but not this upcoming season. Ah, it's maybe your smartest take ever because you're a thousand percent right. Mark Davis has made it completely clear, and in fact, was staggeringly honest in some comments he made around the scouting combine uh, and the owners' meetings about what he thought of the roster when Josh McDaniels took over. And he said at the time, essentially, that he thought they didn't even realize how bad it was till they got in the building. He understands this is a rebuild. It's a two-year re- rebuild. The Raiders are going to win five games this year if they're lucky. So, no, he won't get fired. All right, Devin, the Los right. Angeles Chargers. 
I'm going to go, this is HD to me. Brandon Staley, you look at a 27 to nothing lead on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars came back and beat them in that playoff game. We heard the rumblings beforehand about his decisions to go forward on fourth down, costing his team the year before to even make a playoff uh, an appearance. If this team doesn't make the playoffs this season with the guys that they have on their roster that they pay defensively and a quarterback in Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams at the wide receiver position, Brandon Staley might not be there. I don't care what their ownership said this past offseason. But if they do not make the playoffs, it's going to be hard for me to believe, especially with a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, that Brandon Staley would be the head coach next season. Yeah, and I'll factor in one other thing because I agree with you a thousand percent. At some point, you have to realize you're chasing Mahomes and Andy Reid. If you are going to pay as much as they're going to pay for Justin Herbert this year, that means they think that Herbert can be at least in the same universe as Patrick Mahomes. So if you're constantly losing to the Chiefs and they're still winning divisions and going to Super Bowls, but you're not making the playoffs at all, then that's the easier thing to to replace in this situation. So Herbert's going to get big money, which means it's win or done for Brandon Staley. All right, Dev, who we got next? The New York Jets. I, this Ooh. one, this one's obvious, right? Like you can't, no, I mean, right? Ah, they got to make the playoffs, boss. Yeah, they got to make the playoffs. And I don't agree with my boy Evan though. If it's Zach Wilson as the quarterback, then I think you give Robert Sala and company another year. If they don't make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you got to let them go. You got to relieve them of their duties. And I'm not going to sit up here and say I'm endorsing it. I'm just talking facts. I'm just being real with y'all. If you can't make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, when all you need was competent quarterback play a season ago and you would have made the playoffs, then I don't think you deserve to be there. But what about the Zach Wilson portion of it? Evan, you're passionate that he's gone either way, right? Yeah. I mean, if Zach Wilson's the quarterback next year, they're all fired anyway for not getting Aaron Rodgers after being so close. Like, they're the Jets... If they don't go to the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers, yes, absolutely Robert Sala will be fired. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, Nathaniel Hackett, whoever they hired to be the quarterback coach, all of those people are going to be fired for not getting Aaron Rodgers. I think you are so wrong. Like, honestly, they can can sit down and look at ownership and be like, Exactly. We did everything we could. Like we went after Aaron Rodgers. We was not our fault that they were unreasonable in exchange. You, I. I do not think Woody Johnson is a reasonable owner, though. That is a reasonable take from you, Fitz, but that is not who we're dealing with. We're dealing with an unreasonable owner who's going to want to make somebody the scapegoat, and it's not going to be him, even though we all think he's probably the one that's going to get, should be blamed if they don't get Rodgers. But if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, I can see he's going to blame someone. I think it's going to be Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. I think I could see Joe Douglas being blamed particularly, but this what we don't know and what we don't have hindsight on is what were the real behind the scenes conversations about Derek Carr? Because if they as an organization, if if Sala and Joe Douglas went to Woody and was like, "Hey, we want Derek Carr," and Woody says, "No, I want Aaron Rodgers." Well, now if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, you can look at the owner and say, "See, we told you. Look at all the yards Derek Carr just put up. That's on you." You can also always blame the quarterback and be like, "Look, we've got everything else. Why would you disrupt everything else that's going so perfectly when we'll get a quarterback in this year's draft?" Right? Like, I, I think I think they have plausible deniability to stick around if they get stuck with Zach Wilson again. Plausible deniability being the key. I agree. All right, who we got next, Dev? The Tennessee Titans. Ooh. Mike Vrabel? This is, 
this is not HD to me because you, you think about a guy like Mike Vrabel. He was able to have a number one seed in the playoffs not too long ago, but also when he faced the number one seed in Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, they went into Baltimore and won that game, went to the AFC Championship game. I think right now this team is kind of in a little a mini rebuild mode. Uh, Mike Vrabel... I think he holds a lot of weight there in Tennessee, and he's done f- some phenomenal things. I don't think he's on the hot seat um, if they don't make the playoffs this season. Yeah, I don't either. I think Mike Vrabel has been wildly insulated in Tennessee, and I'm not. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know what we've learned: the organization believed is that John Robinson made all the mistakes, and Mike Vrabel's doing the best he can with what he's got. What we're learning right now is that Rand Carthon believes that this roster needs an overhaul. I don't think that they're going to look at the roster while they're overhauling it and then also say the coach needs an overhaul. I know a lot of times GM comes in, wants his own guy, but no, I, I think that he's he's wildly safe. Dev, have we got time for one more? The Green Bay Packers. Oh! Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You go 13-3, 13-3. and three, 13 and three. I mean, I think it was 13-3, 13-3. and three, 13 and three. Or maybe in thirteen and four, and then you miss the playoffs, and you don't have a Super Bowl appearance to to speak for it. You no longer have Aaron Rodgers, but when you did have him last year, you didn't make the playoffs. You didn't have Devontae Adams, right? I want to see how you how you're going to be as a coach, Matt Lafleur. Now you're going to have Jordan Love as your quarterback. I want to see you dig deep down inside, and I want to see you work your magic. If you can't work your magic, you might be on the hot seat, my brother. No, they're all not might. I think a hundred percent. I think everybody in that Brian Gutekunst, Lafleur, everybody. If you go out there and you suck with Jordan Love, you are all getting canned because they're going to look around and they're going to say, "Okay, so now we see what this roster looks like that's been built without a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we see what this coach looks like without a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we don't like it." So they'll be able to get out of everybody. Jordan Love, Gutekunst, Lafleur. They could start a wild rebuild in the Packers if things go wrong, and we haven't given the floor or the ceiling yet for the Packers. You're going to have to wait for that one. You don't have to wait to see more Lakers basketball. That's coming up right around the corner, but last night was still a worst-case scenario for the team. We'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Actually, good for them when you it think was, about it. it they're not on the cool. shelf for a week, getting exactly. stale. But they're exactly. also they didn't lose it, so they have to play another one. Now they're going to be tired. They got just the right amount of reps heading into the playoffs. I agree. So, I think it's so, good for so them. We're in a spot where we're making the play-in game good for the Lakers. I understand the homerism here, but sweet baby Jesus, what are we doing if we're turning around and saying the Lakers with LeBron and AD needed the play-in game to stay sharp? Harry, we are bending over backwards. This is like a damn Cirque du Soleil event to watch people try and find some acrobatic way to turn a negative for the Lakers into a positive just because we have to love everything the Lakers do. Three hours later. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I stand by it the more I hear it. The fact that our buddy, Max Kellerman, 
sat on radio today, Harry, and said that getting in the play-in is a really good thing because the Lakers don't want too much time off. They'll get rusty. Like, that's where we are right now? We're not going to sit here and say, oh, man, the time off could really be hurting Denver. The time off could be bad for Giannis and the Bucks. The time off could be bad. Like, we're not saying it's bad for anybody, but we're going to turn around and say it's good for the Lakers because they needed that extra game to stay sharp? Like, LeBron and AD need extra time to stay focused? What are we doing? I just It blows <laughs> my mind how much we would have to work to find a positive out of a negative here. Like, this is – it's wild to me. Let's just call it what it is. The Lakers have been good at times, and they've been underwhelming at times. And last night, in a game you and I thought they were dom- they would dominate, for the most part, they were underwhelming. Why is it such a sin to say that out loud? Yeah, it, it was very surprising to me in my eyes as I viewed it. Uh, LeBron James was phenomenal, though. He had 30 po- points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. D'Angelo Russell wasn't so good. Anthony Davis was good. Thank goodness for Dennis Schroeder if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan and also LeBron James because he showed up and showed out with 21 points, hitting some timely baskets that they needed. But I will say this. The Lakers, man, when they needed to defend, they stepped up in the fourth quarter in overtime and got some key stops that they needed. Also, I believe the Minnesota Timberwolves forgot how to play offensive basketball because they were deer in headlights like they were scared. Each and every person that was on the floor to get the basketball and attempt to drive it to the paint and take it to the lane because they were missing so many jump shots, Fitz. But thinking about the Lakers moving forward to the Memphis Grizzlies, they do have to get on an airplane and go to Memphis. There is a time change. So that's another thing that you have to factor into this equation when they go play the Memphis Grizzlies. But I don't think you're going to get a Grizzlies team that looked like the Minnesota Timberwolves last night. Actually, the Grizzlies are better, and those guys have those young spring chicken legs. So LeBron James and company better come ready to play. And everybody better be able to make shots because if not, they're going to get blown out of the waters. And it's never any one thing for me. It's all of them together because it's not that long ago, as I've said many times, a bad Utah team uh, took the Lakers to overtime. And you and I were stunned by that, right? And all of a sudden, the next night, uh, back-to-back, they uh, they looked like a shell of themselves and they got absolutely obliterated by the Clippers, right? Like, And mm-hmm. so we, we look at these things, and at the time, you and I were doing first take, and I kept saying, take care of your business against Utah, and you'll be more rested. Like, those extra minutes have to matter. Utah, again, in the last game of the season, when they had nothing to think about but tea times, right? Like, they had nothing on their mind. They could just go out, relax, and just have a little fun and be distracted if they want. Utah gave L.A. everything they could handle until there was a few minutes left of the game. Like, why can we not look at this the same way we would if that jersey said KD and Kyrie and the Nets on it? Because if it said KD, Kyrie, and the Nets on it, we would be absolutely melting down on every ESPN radio show about how underperforming this is and how underwhelming it is. You can't trust this team. They could barely beat somebody. But because it's LeBron and the Lakers, it's like, well, look at that plucky win. You shouldn't need a plucky win over teams like Utah and Minnesota if you're really trying to sell me that they're a championship contending team that just happens to be buried at the bottom of the West. And I'm really concerned about the Lakers as well because outside of LeBron, they don't have anyone that can create their own shot and get it at will. And I'm really, I'm really, I'm really trying to see like how is this going to work against a Memphis Grizzlies defense that's 11th in the league. And I understand they're they're going to, they're going to be down two guys that they they've counted on defensively and also in the paint. 
But it's not like everyone else on that on that team can't play defense. You still have guys. You got Jaron Jackson Jr., who's going to be defensive player of the year. You have Dylan Brooks, who loves to play defense and blow his breath on in people's face while he's guarding them and agitate them in the whole nine. So I, I, going into this matchup, I don't know how the Lakers are going to get buckets outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, Austin Reeves has been playing at a high level. But when you're going against elite defensive guys, are you going to still be that same guy? Uh, I, I want to go back to blowing the breath on people. Like, you were the ultimate trash talker. Uh, yeah. would, would you be out there with stank breath? Like, up in somebody's No, 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 no. <sighs> no, no, I don't have no dragon. My breath always on point. That's a, like, it's a pet peeve of mine, uh, Fitz. People with stank breath and hygiene, like, that's a pet peeve. Your hygiene's got to be on point. And if your breath stinks around me, I hope you don't think I'm rude, but I will let you know ASAP. See, I will I, let you know that your breath stinks. I, I appreciate our our commonality on this for one thing because one of the first times I was uh, I was running on the treadmill, and the guy next to me running on the treadmill had like morning weirdness coming out, and like when you're huffing and puffing on a treadmill, like the harder he's breathing, <laughs> the more we're all smelling it. And the whole time I'm thinking like we know what this smells like. This smells like you didn't brush your teeth before you came to the gym this morning, and like you're kind of a disgusting pig. So like the whole time I was thinking about that. Well, now that's buried in my mind. So like every morning the first thing I do, or the last thing I do, I mean, brush my teeth first before I get in the car, which makes my pre-workout taste disgusting. We all know that. But then right before I'm walking in, two pieces. It's two pieces of gum before I walk in, because the last thing I want to do is be huffing and puffing on a treadmill. And, be like, and everybody around me is, is is feeling the dragon come out. Like, there's just got to be, there's no win in that. There's no win at all. You, you, you want to know how bad it is in my household? I, I have my kids trained that are, my daughter's six and my son is three. Is that If someone has bad breath around them, they have no problem telling them, mm, Grandma, you got that dragon. So-and-so, you have that dragon. My kids will let you know because that's how their daddy is. Their daddy will let you know. So shout out to my babies for taking after their father. Yeah, I, there is no doubt that, like, look, I get genetics, right? I'm not that that stupid. But there's this, con like, your kids are the perfect mini-yous. Like, your daughter yes, is are. a mini-you. Your son is a mini-you. Like, I can totally picture your daughter just being like, uh, hey, you, you got that dragon. Like, I, it, it works 100%. It means you raised him right, brother. I mean, that's what it means. Yeah, I'm not raising any mutes. If you feel a certain way, <laughs> baby boy and baby girl, express yourself. We're not raising mutes in my household. We're not doing that. We're not raising mutes, and we're not letting dragons fly without calling them out in the whole process. What I can tell you is that Candy and Carlin are delightful. Not only are Candy and Carlin delightful people, there's no dragons there. Their breast smells fantastic. Be sure to hang out with them next. In the meantime, thanks for hanging out with Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.